Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Two Red Gringos Season 3, Episode 5, live, except not live to you. Um, I'm uh, Phil Bakke, and with me, as always, Patrick Staley. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. I missed you. Uh, I missed you, too. It's been it's been a long break uh, between my... Uh, my escapades, I guess. I've I've put us on a, a long hold. Do you want to say escapades? It makes it sounds like you're sound like you're out to uh, up to no good out there. Yeah, I mean, in fact, hard at work. I mean, to to an extent, I was up to no good. Um, <laughs> no, I. Uh, I hope Eric is not listening. No, it was uh, it was a nice little involuntary vacation to. Uh, Southern California, uh, but not the coast, rather the interior of California, which I do not recommend. Um, <laughs> yeah, zero of ten. Uh, you'll think you're in Afghanistan. Like, it's they're legitimately like if you land at the airport that we land in, which is Victorville, California. Um, you will drive past bombed out, like, apartment buildings, which, I mean, it could be movie sets, but it, it honestly made me think this is a third world country. Um, (laughs) I don't know how this happened, but. Right next to some of the richest communities in the world. Yeah. And, uh, still no water. So, um, so yeah. (laughs) But you survived. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, nice little. We fight a uh, a month long simulated war against uh, the country of Denovia. Um, the U.S. has been at war with them on and off for about fifty years now. So um, <laughs> we just keep going back. I don't know. It's been it's been a long slog. Um, hopefully it ends someday. But um, but yeah. So had a nice little nice little trip and happy to be back. Happy to be. Happy to be on the mic. Oh yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, in the interim, um, I I've seen that your your beer choices off the pod have become uh, pretty acceptable, uh, pretty impressive in some cases. Um, I wanted to I wanted to hopefully surprise you, um, not pleasantly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anger you with this decision too because my I, I feel like my uh beer snapchat game has been pretty strong lately very strong thanks in large part very to strong the whole foods that we got <laughs> recently in el paso so yeah you know white people started going crazy um <laughs> all all 11 of you um, i immediately we immediately don't put all of our savings into food by the pound craft beer (laughs) (laughs) an overpriced organic creamer Um, but no so i've been doing well and i'm in deming new mexico today probably about you know for us gringos a little bit further away from the border i think i got about a 30 mile gap between here and columbus (laughs) and uh new mexico but i might be heading down there tomorrow um columbus new mexico columbus new mexico yeah Columbus, New Mexico, for those uh, with a eye for history, Pancho Villa 
conducted his raid on Columbus, New Mexico, which... uh, Was it Palomas right across the border? Yeah. Which, you know, particular significance with you being in Columbus, New Mexico on the day that the the U.S. and Mexican national teams are in Columbus, Ohio. Oh. It's a nice little and Pancho Villa that's, that's connection. Nice little, little, little via Pancho Villa's army. Yeah, I mean. Versus, well, well we, we'll get into that later. Yeah, um, we will. Just a little sneak preview. But but the point was, is that it's it's not it's not dry out here, but the selection mm. is severely limited. <laughs> So I was strolling through, strolling through Walmart, and I had to ask myself, what can I, as a strange person in a small town shopping only for beer in Walmart, purchase that will make me look it, as less like an alcoholic as possible? <laughs> so, so my choices. I, so I'm thinking, like, because I don't want to buy a six pack. Because, sure. I mean, they don't know that I'm only here for another night. But I do, and then I feel like an alcoholic for buying a six-pack. <laughs> so I immediately go see, okay, what do they have in, like, you know, the, the 24-ounce, 32-ounce bottle selection? Yeah. Um, and it was, like, Bud Ice. <laughs> <laughs> is that still – they make <laughs> that still? I mean, maybe this is the last of it, and they're <laughs> just shipping it to Denning, New Mexico. <laughs> so uh, the, in spite of the the very strong – beer game that I've had going recently. I opted for the six pack of Miller Lite. Just just despite just despite you really. Yeah, and it pains me. Um but at least I got the like the hipster bottle that says like a fine pilsner on it. So I should have just led with I'm just drinking the fine pilsner. A fine pilsner, yeah. <laughs> um but no. I, I apologize. Um it's but there reason there there's a reason reasoning it, behind my madness. Yeah, and that's what the mitigating circumstances help like a little bit. Not a ton, but a little. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're still gonna judge. So why don't you just tell everybody what what fancy concoction you got going over there? So so today, because of the all the conversations we had prior to my to my leaving and the fact that it's you know, um down here in Texas, in in Central Texas, anyways, it's it hasn't really been autumn yet. Uh, <laughs> it's been like eighty five degrees every day, uh, so we're just kind of now getting some some sweater weather. And uh, with all our discussions prior to me leaving, I think I thought it appropriate for me to drink a um, courtesy of Carbach Brewing, one of our our favorites. I think. Maybe yeah. they're the ones that we should try to get the sponsorship from. Yeah, they've been. I mean, we're putting a lot of money. We're gonna put that money right back into them. So yeah, it's just it's just free free advertising. It just makes yeah. sense. It, so Carbach, if you're hearing this, and I will at you uh, with this episode, but please pay us <laughs> to make this added. podcast, huh? <laughs> I said you will get added. <laughs> I will be in your DMs. Um, but the, uh, I'm drinking the, uh, the Crunkin' Pumpkin, um, from Carbach. And I went pumpkin because, obviously, it's still fall. I think anything prior to Halloween up until Thanksgiving, you're well within your rights to, to go pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Um, pumpkin season still. 
So I'm drinking the pumpkin beer. Uh, shout out to, uh, well, I don't have any whipped cream or anything, but, uh, or whatever the hell, uh, Ashley wanted with her, with her pumpkin <laughs> beer, but, um, some kind of salt or sugar rim or something like cinnamon that. sugar or something like that. But either so. way, I'm drinking the pumpkin beer and, uh, not bad, not, not a bad offering. Carbach, yeah. uh, consistently, consistently killing it. To them. We're gonna slide up in those DMs. Yeah, real hard. I I want some but free hopadillo. That's what I, that's all I want. Well, just to spite just to spite Dan as well. Um, oh, he loves it. For those who don't know, Patrick's brother Dan loves hopadillo IPA from Carbach and can't find it anywhere in in the Chicago area. Yeah. Does not exist. Does not exist. Yeah. So Which is good because there are a lot of um, like Allagash. For example, we can't get Allagash mm. down here in El Paso. Love right. Allagash, so he always rubs it in. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I've been making sure to send all my Snapchats to him as well. But he's huge. But he brews his own, you know, fucking Belgian ale. Crazy. Like that. So, so he's he's going to take a lot of pleasure and pride in my uh, my listener of choice for this evening. <laughs> I uh well speaking of speaking of Chicago and I've titled this segment for the first two topics that we're going to talk about. I've titled it HFS or holy fucking shit. Um this first subject um for both of us being long suffering um fans of this particular club <laughs> um we uh and I'm not speaking about Liverpool but rather the Chicago Cubs they have finally after 108 years ended their streak and I know this is not a baseball podcast but both of us we talked we the night yeah. of game 7 <laughs> um containing the emotion of this championship has been impossible um no. and uh and so I, I feel like we have to dedicate at least a portion of this pot, this small portion, um, but we have to talk about this momentous championship from the Chicago Cubs. It was, it's, I imagine, I, it, I liken it to how I think Liverpool fans will feel, although obviously <laughs> extended over <laughs> a, a much greater time period. Yes. Um, but it got yeah. me thinking too, like what what's the difference between like somebody in Liverpool that's supporting like maybe, you know the Cubs, other sports over there, baseball probably not as much. Um, but it, and then it got me thinking about you know what a title would mean for Liverpool and clubs like that for people that were raised and just like and you know their whole environment growing up was was this team right and so that's what it was for us too and i think it's it's not just that you know supporter to supporter i think that you know, everybody loves their clubs doesn't matter where you're from um but part of what was wrapped into the cubs victory that that was so emotional i think for us was just how you feel for your other family members like how I felt for my dad being able to experience it when you think that there's really honestly, you think that there's no way in their lifetime they're ever going to experience it. And so right. you're almost angry 
you're almost angry at the organization for for leading people along for so long without delivering too. So it was just that just unbelievable happiness mixed with just this huge expression of relief that yeah. I think pictured itself really well in all of the you know the the writings that they did on Wrigley Field and yeah. all that I thought was pretty touching but uh but no there I mean there's so much out there and it was just all the emotional like videos and stuff that you see online but it was just like seeing you know seeing my brother and seeing my dad like wander through the streets of Chicago looking like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> <laughs> zombie scene right there too yeah. but it's just I mean, it's there's no bigger moment for that city. Like, it's it is a little bit divided. It's a Cub city, but you do yeah. have the Sox presence there. It, it's uh, you know the city's Bears wide. It's right. you know it's Bulls. But even if the Bears or the Bulls were to win, like this means so much more to the city. Yeah. And even Sox fans were like, you know, you know, fuck it, we're happy. <laughs> we're yeah. Happy for you guys, um, which I thought was pretty cool and just kind of a a highlight of of what it meant for for us and for the city and just for everybody in there too but my one of my favorite moments afterwards and this is the last thing i'll say about it but it was the what the seventh largest gathering the parade and the celebration was the seventh largest gathering of human beings on record yeah (laughs) (laughs) and following close behind that was a rod stewart concert (laughs) in brazil so you know so we got that going for us yeah, it's um, it really has been you know it's been uh, a part of the fabric of the city and part of the kind of the the angst around Chicago um, in a way because people people have have lived and died and not seen a Cubs you know World Series championship. Um, so like you said, it's, it's more so people's just elation, um, one that they are able to experience it themselves in their lifetime, uh, because, you know, a lot of people thought it would just never happen. Um, and then, uh, and then your elation for, for other people experiencing it and then kind of the um the ability to kind of like have that weight lifted off of the organization yeah. um because now you see um when you look at the at the team minus a curse and minus the drought and minus all this stuff um you just see the organization for what it is and now it's set up yeah. in a really good way to win for a long time. So um, without the weight of expectation, you kind of hope that the Cubs um, can, uh, can continue to make, to make runs and, and kind of do what the, what the Red Sox did when they, you know, they broke the, broke the drought and then won a bunch, um, you know, won like three in six years to turn into the assholes now. You know exactly. Once, once the team starts winning, <laughs> you're like, all right, come like the Giants. Like I always, yeah. I was kind of. My dad was a big Giants fan. That you know, his his second team or whatever. Sure. Um, and we always kind of liked the Giants. 
And then they started rattling off rattling off all these World Series championships. And mm-hmm. like, all right, just just calm down, <laughs> calm down. You've you've got a couple now. Right. Um, but if you could, you put like could you place like a favorite moment in that game seven? Did you have a favorite moment? It could be during um, the game, before the game, during the game, after the game. Oh man, favorite moment of game seven. Um, I mean. This might be, you know, easy or obvious or whatever, but it was for me. It was the the double by Zobrist to take the lead in the tenth. Um, yeah, they walk Rizzo to get to Zobrist, who was having just crushing a crazy World Series, but wasn't having a good a good game. He was yeah. zero for four uh, when he came to the plate, and. Uh, you know he he battles as he does, but the count's one and two, so he's in you know he's in the hole and uh and just in classic kind of zobrous fashion comes through and uh and gets a double so it's um down the third baseline and it's it's one of those things where he was a player where they you know they got him because of his uh experience and um kind of world series pedigree because you know obviously it just won one in kansas city so they were like we want a player with uh with the playoff kind of experience and you know then that pays off in the in the biggest way in a game seven in the 10th inning um so uh for me that was just kind of the fulfillment of the whole organization's kind of blueprint. Uh, And, you know, the right guy was up in the right situation to, to pull it out of the fire. Um, Like right at the, right when everything was looking like it was going to be business as usual. Cubs fans too. Exactly. (laughs) So what about, what about you for favorite moment? It, it happened I guess during the game, but I didn't see it until after. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I think I posted about it, but it epitomizes this Cubs team, I think more than any other, any other moment, which was Chris <laughs> Bryant on the last play. Just, and he's the most handsome man alive too. But just like <laughs> fielding this insanely difficult ground ball. And he's just got the biggest smile on his face, just cheesing. And it just, Reminds me back to '03 when um, who was the shortstop? Was it Gonzalez? Yeah, Alex Gonzalez. Yeah, great defensive shortstop. You know, bobbles it, error leads to leads to the the collapse and the complete. It's like night and day for Chris Bryant, where he just biggest smile on his face, fields the ball, throws him out leading to the championship too so that was right that just kind of encapsulates this this cubs team that that we're lucky enough to have too so and that's kind of like the smile that i've had on my face ever (laughs) ever since it (laughs) happened too so we're still kind of waiting for it to sink in yeah no absolutely thanksgiving so maybe it'll sink in yeah i will be too um and it will be uh it'll be a celebration all over again um (laughs) <laughs> the uh 
and that's a nice thing about a championship like this is you don't feel bad celebrating it for you know a long time after because it's been so long in in coming that it's it you just you can celebrate it for a while without it seeming you know strange or or uh overdone um i'm interested to see how how much they'll let me do the wrigley field like if just the hug (laughs) is okay or if i can just start like I don't know, maybe like a slow grind. <laughs> I'm thinking a slow grind would be appropriate. <laughs> On the Murphy's bleacher side. Oh, absolutely. Um. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of slow grinding going on in that place. Um, so with, with, I guess, the Cubs being, you know, this team, you know, this team was such a, was such a fun team to watch, and they entertained so much on their way to the, to a championship. Um, I think it segues nicely into part two of, of holy fucking shit, which is Liverpool Football Club. Um, it's, it's been a scene, man. This is, this is crazy. Um, (laughs) I want to start with kind of the stars of the show. Um, and I, I feel good that I can say stars and, and not star um, because it means we have some, you know, uh, <laughs> we have a team um, that, that's been put together here. But so they're that's being called. <laughs> well, we'll get there. I know you want to, <laughs> I know you just want to, lash out at Danny Ings at any at any opportunity um but Bobby Sadio and Phil also known as some variation of what I'm calling FMC um <laughs> and and I don't know if you saw this uh on on Twitter the other day but FMC in the army is an acronym one of our one of our many um but fmc is an acronym that stands for fully mission capable and i think in a weird way that is fitting for this trio because they are absolutely dominating defenses um and just slicing people to shreds um and it's been so fun to watch uh, them play, as you uh, earlier today showed that video, uh, or reposted that video on on Twitter of uh, Mane's dummy leading to his second goal against, uh, um, who, who did we destroy this week? Which I completely, uh, which I completely missed, by the way, in game. <laughs> Oh yeah, I missed the dummy too as well. I I did not see it at all until I saw that that angle. Oh yeah, and it's just like a shot of just you know Mane almost posing. Yeah, like <laughs> like a Greek statue, a clothed Greek statue. Um, right, but no, it was Wat- Watford. Yeah, Watford, the Hornets, six one, the fifth time this season that Liverpool have scored four or more. That's um, that's unbelievable. That's ridiculous. 
only two times, only two other times in the Premier League era have Liverpool done that more than five times in a season. And that was uh, 11-12. They did it six times. Um, 13-14, they did it 11 times. Um, So far, (laughs) they've done it five. um, And we've played... A third of the season, a essentially. A third of the season, something just, just absolute. So FMC, that's a good one. Shock and awe could be another <laughs> military term that the that those three have been doing, doing to the defenses as well. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like we talk about, if we want to make the comparison to thirteen fourteen, and those are going to come up, especially if we keep leaking goals. But we've already scored like that. That 13-14 team had a lot of just kind of squeaky bum one one nil victories too. Right. And ours have just been complete and utter destruction. Yes. Of, of the other teams so far. Um, so no, that's what's been. And then you get there's there's still more to watch. Like Coutinho, Coutinho has been you know absolutely phenomenal in every single game that he's played, but I think it was against, I, I think it was Crystal Palace. So the game right before Watford, mm-hmm. where he had like all these YouTube compilation videos made. And for some players, that's their, that's their whole career. Right. <laughs> that's their compilation video. <laughs> and for him, he just did it in one game against right. Crystal Palace. So I think Coutinho's kind of been, been the spearhead of everything and has become, I guess there's two ways to say this. One, he's become the player we've always wanted him to be. And the other side of that is he's become the player that Barcelona or Madrid <laughs> would, would love to buy. So hopefully they they get slapped with a transfer ban or something that they can't get out of. But, <laughs> but no, Coutinho leading it, Mane, Firmino. Um, I think we got to give love to to the guy behind him too, your, your favorite, uh, Adam Lallana, who's been... Yeah. Who popped up and who has been popping up with some delicious crosses? Very good crosses. I don't think we've seen before out of him. Um, uh, it's starting to look like money well spent from Southampton. Yeah, I so f- speaking just specifically about the front three, I think I first of all I'm loving the way um, Firmino's playing. Because I always, uh, you know, and I don't, it's not one of these, like, I told you so things. But, you know, you can go back and listen to the back catalog of this show. Um, And Firmino was, like, getting shit on a lot. Um, People were really upset when he first showed up. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't seem like he was going to... You know, it seemed like he might be another expensive flop, but I was like, when you watch him, you can yeah. tell there's something there. There's something about him. Um, and uh, this season, he's shown that in um, in abundance, and it's been it's been awesome to watch. But um, so the thing I love about the front three is that with thirteen, fourteen. We obviously we're talking about you know, obviously Sturridge and and Sterling 
got involved, but more or less we were talking about Luis Suarez. He was the engine, you know, that made the team what it was. Um, you know, it, minus those 31 goals, we're nowhere near the top of the table um, in that in that season. So the whole time since he's left, we've been looking for his replacement. And we've always been looking for that player that can be the replacement for Luis Suarez. Turns out you can't replace Luis Suarez with one player and expect <laughs> him to be at the same level unless you find, you know, some kind of wonder kid out of nowhere. Yeah. What, um, what's, what's the list right now of players that match Suarez? Two others. <laughs> I mean, you've got yeah. Suarez, you've got Messi. He's in that, he's in that ilk at this moment. Right. Yeah, no one, no one is up is up there with him. So we have finally replaced Luis Suarez with three players. Um, <laughs> and it, and it took a while to figure out, but Mane, Firmino and Firmino and Coutinho are like at this moment, they have what? 15 goals between them um, in 11 games. And yeah, I think so, and so we're, you know, we're talking about not only are they all individually dangerous, but they're dangerous as a trio. And yeah. it's not a matter. We, you know, we had all these questions about, and we can talk about Sturridge as well, but we had all these questions about, you know, will Firmino and Sturridge be able to link up? Uh, you know, do they play well together? Anything. Um, and then this season we plug. Mane into the team and immediately the team looks more fluid uh yeah. the link up play between um not only the front three but also the guys in midfield um I mean it looks it it looks absolutely insane um and and it's so fluid and so fun to watch but they're also clinical um or they I mean they're more clinical than we have been in the past. Um, and so you see these, these beat, these beat downs of teams um, <laughs> where at halftime of the Watford game, like the commentators were talking about, like they should be up by like six or seven, you know, it's like, that's yeah. the amount of chances that, that we're creating. Even, um, even on, even on Twitter too, it's like, how are we not, you know, we should smash them eight goals to nothing i'm like yeah you can't score <laughs> you can't score every time like that's the thing it's like if we get once we scored i think it was the the second on watford i think we were watching at uh oh we were watching at crave oh right amazing yeah amazing pancakes as how always they don't have how they don't have cable or Wi-Fi there is beyond me. But anyway, we're gathering around the computer, and we we scored two early enough, and everybody's like, "Oh, shit, we're gonna smash them." I'm like, "For the love of God, don't score again, and just keep a clean sheet." <laughs> like we're so spoiled, and I mean, maybe maybe we have to give that up because I don't think there's any let up in this team to say no. we've got two goals, three goals. Let's pack it in. Let's you know keep a more organized defensive back or no, it's just, it, it's Klopp just going up the throat 
of other yeah. queens. And it's amazing, Our, too. So maybe we won't see another queen sheep the rest of the season. I don't know. But, uh, but no, it's been, it's been phenomenal to watch. And it's been one of those things where the games that make us nervous as Liverpool fans, like, a lot of times you're nervous for a big game, but you're not you're still confident um, that Liverpool can get a result against the Chelsea's and the cities. Like we've always played well against big teams, even going back, you know, to, to Rafa. Um, And it's always these weird games with the like mid to lower table teams that kind of catch us out and, we don't create enough and it gets down to the wire and then, you know, they get a cheap goal off a set piece and we walk away with no points and, or a draw or something. And, um, and it's very frustrating. And the biggest difference, you know, with the Burnley game being the one exception, um, the biggest difference with this team is you almost expect them to go out and score four or five, um, and and that's just becoming the norm uh, when a team, uh, especially when a team comes to Anfield, it's like they're gonna get they're gonna get smashed. Um, and and so far, our best form of defense has been scoring, you know, four <laughs> or five goals. <laughs> well, well, and also too, we had it. We want to talk Ings, but I think we should move that defensive talk talk up a little bit just because. Mm-hmm. I think this, when we look at comparisons to 13-14, not just our, our attack is flying. It's looking like once Liverpool got up and running a little bit later in the season. And the difference between kind of this season and that season where, you know, we thought we were going to go in just smashing these these smaller teams. Now, we got mm-hmm. we didn't get all the results because, you know, our defense was shit. But, yeah. but we were scared and nervous about about you know the city and the Chelsea's and we had a lot well, it was early early to Arsenal we lost two nothing right um, then around Christmas time we lost both to Chelsea and City yeah. so there was there wasn't this feeling even up until like 2017 maybe I, I think we smashed we smashed Tottenham and we were smashing other teams but you know it's Tottenham yeah so. um, <laughs> we we're getting managers fired yeah but there wasn't this real belief. I, I think from anybody, um, no. even when we were taught what we were taught at Christmas, right? I think yeah, and then immediately dropped down to like fifth after the back-to-back yeah, back losses. On New Year's <laughs> or Boxing Day, even. Yeah. But, um, but there was never even really a belief. I think at that time in that team that this was going to be something that they could sustain, and I think a lot of those big results went that way. And this year, we've had you know the most challenging part of our schedule right at the start and we got results you know at arsenal we got at chelsea we got our our first clean sheet against united but you know we didn't score any um but (laughs) that's a conversation for another day (laughs) but the biggest difference not just in that uh kind of big game mentality um but also being able to have that filter down into the lesser side is it's a much better defensive squad even than i think our, our record indicates um, there's some lately it's made made me a little bit nervous but I think it's having a front three <laughs> obviously sounds like more of an attack but, but than a front two 
mm-hmm. Suarez and Sturridge, but it's actually right. a lot more kind of set up defensively, right? So that you have those, and even all three drop back in. So there's no, Firmino's yeah. done well to be more of an out-and-out, not an out-and-out striker, but he's showing those qualities, like the goal that he picked up against Watford, just, you know, there to receive, was it Lulana's cross? Yeah. Ground cross, I think. Yeah. Um, but having the front three kind of protects the midfield and that any time that we're looking shaky if we're giving up goals, it's when our our midfield starts to collapse. Right. Um, and even though if we've got, you know, Ronaldo Merchan, if we've got Lulana, and if we've got Hendo, we still don't ha- have an out-and-out defensive midfielder. Right. But everybody's kind of covering for everybody. So it's that kind of, yeah. you know, that clop approach that, that protects, I think, the back four a lot more. Right. Aside from having Klein, who's unbelievable, um, and Milner, who's done, who's done his part defensively, too. I think having that front three kind of shores up and protects and makes it harder to, for other teams to play their game and allows us to disrupt it as well. Um, right. But then against, like, you know, Watford and others, I think it was after... Right, even, right before, right after the subs is when these holes start popping up in our midfield as well. And that's when teams start being able to break forward and, and get it into it. So I, I'd say over the past couple of games, our defense has been not good. But for the pr- first part of the season, maybe barring Arsenal, it was just kind of unlucky. Like the Rose goal for Tottenham where it just kind of deflects and all that. So the, the shots to goals ratio that we give up is is absolutely ridiculous. So it's a mix of kind of some of our previous defensive woes um, and kind of ghosts of that past still kind of surfacing um, mixed with just a lot of shit, shit luck that we've had so far. Right. And that's what I think um, talking about, you know, our favorite, uh, our favorite statistical Twitter account, um the defensive side of the ball um they uh they have been unlucky statistically because the quality of shot like the expected goals against our defense yeah. is well below what we've actually conceded um so i mean there's no denying that uh matip has been an absolute oh, like ins- inspirational sign. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Uh, his his level of quality. I cannot believe uh, that we were the only ones. Um, there had to have been other teams who tried to get him on a free because he <laughs> is he is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like, um, he he's a fantastic defender, and I think. You know, I don't know if if Lovren is like the long term solution because sometimes Lovren d- does stuff um, that reminds me of how he played. You know, when he first came in and it. everyone wanted to put him back on the plane uh, immediately. Uh, I, uh, but I, I think uh, the pairing that we've got in at center back for the most part it has been solid, and even. I mean, Matip look made Lucas look solid at at center back. Uh, so Matip just has a has kind of a calming effect, I think, 
Yeah. Uh, on the defense, because he's so assured uh, in everything he does, and he and he must communicate well. Because yeah. yeah, no kidding, he'll he'll stride forward at at every opportunity. And uh, I love that. Oh yeah, it's uh, I don't know. He's a he's a brilliant. He's been a brilliant signing, and I think mm-hmm. um, I think now that just to round out the defense, because obviously. Um, Milner has actually turned into quite a quite a good like defensive left back. I'm not really sure how, um, <laughs> but but he has. And then and then obviously Klein is Klein's been his consistently good self uh, for most of the season. Um, but the uh, to round out the defense, the one question mark for a few games there was was old Loris. Um, in goal, and uh, you know, not that we we've had you know plenty of goalkeeping problems over the last couple of years with with Mignolet, <laughs> um, but it was looking kind of like Carius was uh more of the same, um, yeah. But in this last game against Watford, he kind of uh well, he made a save, um, or. I think he made seven saves, which is yeah, actually pretty no, impressive. Multiple saves. <laughs> multiple saves. Had him, had him in the fantasy team, but I won't bring that up. I apologize. You had, um, oh, well, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. I got to <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll add that at the uh, – we could talk yeah. about that towards the end. <laughs> I, part of me – I was really happy to see that game because part of me has been worried that it was going to be kind of like the Mignolet effect with him. Uh, and I was looking because he just looked he had looked uncertain, just like in the air, right? Going crosses, defending that, and right. even even in the previous game, that's that's kind of what caught us out. That wasn't his fault; it was mostly Leverens. Um, yeah, but he's still just yeah, kind of flapping ridiculous. like Mignolet would too. And there was <laughs> a, a bit. I don't know if I've talked about it on here. I think Jose and I were talking about it, but it was a stat that just compared all of the goalkeepers in the top flight leagues around the world. And it just showed, like, how often, just kind of like a little scatter plot, how often would they go out for crosses, and how successful were they? Well, Mignolet was in, like, hardly ever goes out, never succeeds category. <laughs> um, but Karius has actually had a higher success rate, but mm-hmm. also would not go out very often. Hmm. So when I saw the early problems, I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, he was, what, number two goalkeeper in the Bundesliga or something like that? Yeah. Um, but maybe that situation, it, it, it just happened to work out in the team, too. So part of me was a little bit worried that we were going to see some of the Minule's errors with that. Because Minule's still been a good shot stopper. But yeah. with Karius, I think we're seeing there's a difference between doing a good shot stopper and being like a De Gea that can save points. Right. Like Minule could, could, you know, keep the score level or, you know, he could have one or two really good saves here and there. But he never, he never was a difference maker. Um, right. Maybe in 13-14, um, when he kicked it off by saving the penalty. Yeah. But then he had so many errors that season that I just kind of canceled it out. Um, we need somebody that's going to not just make really good plays and then cancel out with errors, but be consistently, I'm not saying as good as De Gea, but somebody that's, that can move, move Liverpool up the table with those performances. Right. And for goalkeepers, that can come down to a couple moments. Like, can you make a save that not many other keepers in the world can make? And that's hopefully what right. we have 
in carries. And I think we saw a couple saves like that in uh, in the previous game where you're yeah. thinking Manuel's good, but he wouldn't have stopped those. Right, and it was it was nice to to see that in this last game, um, and kind of see him get his confidence back. I think because he seems like a, I mean, just based on the fact that he's constantly taking pictures of himself, he seems fairly <laughs> confident. Um, so hopefully, he has confidence in his goalkeeping abilities. Um, Which means he's shallow and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> he's very vain and worried very about vain. what everyone very is thinking true. about. Very him. Very <laughs> uh, so gorgeous hair. Yeah, no, I mean, very jealous. <laughs> the blonde lock, the blonde locks. It's oh. it's a little ridiculous, but so moving this back up, back up the pitch towards the the attacking third. Um, Daniel Sturridge, England striker. Um, England number nine. And a a, a brilliant striker. Um, right now, this is a team that the Liverpool fans, and this was jokingly, but <laughs> the, point, the point stands. They jokingly chanted that... If we still had Luis Suarez, he'd be on the bench. Um, top, top bands. <laughs> amazing. Top drawer bands. <laughs> Fantastic <From> bands. <laughs> Support that one. But the point stands is, you know, if Luis, you know, if we take it at face value and say Luis Suarez would be on the bench, I mean, how does Daniel Sturridge get back into this team? How does... How does Sturridge find his way back into a starting lineup that is so fluid and so dominant um, that, you know, this trio or uh, this attacking trident of, of Firmino, Mane, and Coutinho, how, do, how does he break back into that? I don't like the trident because I immediately picture the, the United pitchfork, but... Uh... Oh, I just uh, I picture I just picture Anchorman. That was, Anchorman. That was, not, that was the Trident is, is is a powerful mythological weapon that like, <laughs> right to point out, and I just completely darkened it. But the only way for Sturridge, what has what would has to what would have to happen, and we talked about for the first probably the first few weeks of the season, in spite of everything that was going on, we still said, or at least I still said that this the team is at its best with Daniel Sturridge in the starting lineup, which now <laughs> does not seem to be the case. Maybe it could right. be, you never, it could be a run of form, right? Maybe Mane, Firmino, Coutinho dips in form a little bit. Who knows? But right, right. now, our, our, it's without question, the way that we're operating, those front three, there's no place for Sturridge in the side right now. The only thing that would change that is when he came on against Watford, I think it was, yeah. he could have had a hat trick. <laughs> right. about in about 20 minutes. Well, he so hit the bar just, twice. Yeah. And pure goal um, scoring ability. He's Yeah. He's he's arguably the best in in England. Maybe with right. him him and Aguero. Yeah. I'd say in terms of just goal scoring ability. Yeah. Um and just the level of quality with which they can strike a ball. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things that factor in. Like I think Sturridge is 
is a step slow, and I don't know. I don't think he's lost a step. I think he's kind of playing. He's kind of playing within himself, and that does not lend well to uh, a Klopp side that is just full throttle, you know, pressing, pressing everything, and then hitting him on the counterattack. Um, so I think the only way for Search to get into that team is if there's a dip in form of one of the players, and we start slowly. Search can come on and make an impact on the bench. So he's going to have to pop up with a couple of goals from the bench, and yeah. maybe Coutinho or or Mane or, or maybe even Luana goes dry because I think that would really be the only kind of person we could sacrifice right now would be Luana, and I think yeah. he's been an integral part to to the way that the team is structured early in the season that right. you can't drop. You can't just say, "Oh, let's drop." Lana for Sturridge right now, just because he's been such a big part of the way that the offense has been clicking too. Not part of the front three, but as you ignore him, I've got to point out his uh, his contributions to the squad. But no, for Sturridge, he's got to he's got to take those chances. Um, yeah, and somebody else has got to start drying it up for him to crack the eleven. And uh, I think with with Sturridge, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, but. Liverpool are going to have him as a depth option. Um, and he's going to play, you know, cup games um, until he finds that uh, that kind of form in the Premier League. Because as it stands right now, he just, in league games, he is not scoring goals. Um, yeah. Although he came very close, and I think... It's almost a little strange because if if uh, Gomez, uh, the Watford keeper, is still in the game, he was hurt early on, and Pantilamon came on came in. Um, Pantilamon is like a tree of a man. He's like six eight, um, <laughs> and so when if he isn't in there for that one curler. Uh, that that yeah. Sturridge sent towards the top left corner, he probably scores that past Gomez. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Pantelimon just gets a fingertip to it and tips it onto the bar. Um, so I think I think he's been unlucky, especially in this last game, very unlucky because um, yeah. he probably deserved a deserved a goal. Um, but you also see. Um, kind of his desperation to score because yeah. there was one time he got put through the angle was gone he couldn't he couldn't really score uh from the angle that he was at but he took the shot anyways just kind of hopeful um and you know it's saved and it and it goes behind for a corner um but you just kind of think like well okay if any of the front three of you know of Phil or Bobby or, or Sadio, if they get the ball in that position, they're immediately looking for the, yeah, for someone else in a better position. Um, because none of them are, are desperate to score. They've all been scoring. Um, mm-hmm. so there's no pressure when they get yeah, the ball in a certain position. It's too. like, it's like, let's find someone who's got a better, a better look and you see that you know throughout the team is just everybody's always looking to play in someone um you know with the with the exception of the occasional you know phil screamer 
um, <laughs> the uh, everybody's looking to to link up rather than um, yeah you know go on their own uh, and it, and I think that is a big part of why Sturridge isn't getting in the team is the way that that front three is linking up is just I mean yeah it's unstoppable at the way that they're playing now so and that is um, a lot like 1314 yeah with with Sterling too I think like factor in Sterling's performance especially towards the later part of the season sure and that was a very unselfish you have two pretty selfish strikers and I mean that in a good way like the point where they want to score but yeah looking looking for each other as well looking to set up and that the Mane the Mane kind of faint dummy just reminded me of exactly of like a Suarez or a Sturridge moment where yeah. they're just you know just I don't even know if you can call it it is a level of skill but you're not really doing anything um but it's, but it's a level of it, skill it's to, more to of notice, a you know yeah it's more like mental mental right. awareness meets yeah you know you've got the physical ability that that draws the defenders in towards you um but that really reminded me of of that kind of interlinking play where it's right. just the player knows knows where the other knows where the others are and doesn't even have to take a touch to set up to set up a goal as well right so speaking of the well, of strikers. I know. Do you want to have a go at Danny Ings before we? <laughs> I, I've never wanted to have a go at <laughs> Danny Ings. If there's a player that it's easy to have a go at, it is Danny Ings because a man, aside from his his footballing career, which I assume is everything for him, um, but from an outsider's perspective, <laughs> Danny's given, Danny's got himself a nice little wage going on. Hasn't mm-hmm. had to play a lot of football. When he does play, it's against like 20 year old kids so he's just he's he's just cleaning up right now yeah. both on the pitch and off the pitch if you've seen his wife or his girlfriend or his wag <laughs> or, or or whatever you want to call it that that photo of him just sitting there cheesing like and he looks like a fucking doofus too i mean i mean he's a handsome guy don't get me wrong but he's got like this weird kind of hipster buzz cut thing going on he's got tattoos and everything and he's just got this this amazing woman just standing there in her bra and panties, making him breakfast or something, I think. So Danny's going to be all right for, for now. He's, he's going to be just fine. But I think my fume, my fume level comes from... Your fume. <laughs> Fuman. It, uh, fuming, in the words of, <laughs> the words of the Liverpool Echo. I'm going to type this out on Twitter. F E W W M I N Fuman. Yep. Um Fuman. I typed that out thinking like people are actually listening live. But no, the, the fuman that's going on they are. towards Danny Ings is just the the love. And not not the love, but just like the want to see Danny Ings in the squad. Here we are talking about the fact that Danny Sturch is not gonna get into the starting eleven. And people are wondering when when is Ings gonna get his shot? The answer is never. The answer yeah. is League Cup. The answer is under twenty threes. Maybe yeah. he'll get a crack at the FA Cup off the bench. That's that's the answer to that question. And everybody yeah. else seems to think we should we should plug him in as if he's as if he's world class. The reality is Danny Ings has has done next to nothing for Liverpool. 
as as a club yeah. as as a league player, right. he's done about as much as Sturridge has this season. So I just don't well, yeah. get the 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 want or the desire to see more of Danny Ings. Yeah, I maybe mean, it makes me an asshole. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Sturridge <laughs> left and I'm lashing There's... out, but. <laughs> You gotta have no. some punching bag. Um, <laughs> no, so I mean, Danny Ings has been with the U twenty threes for a reason. There, you know, there's the bottom line is that right now, behind, you know, I guess Firmino uh, is, you know, more or less our striker. Even though really that whole front three kind of acts as our as our uh, goal scoring, you know, trio. But so with Firmino as yeah. a striker right now and the way that, that those guys are playing, they're keeping Sturridge out of the team, which is in turn, uh, you know, keeping Origi in, in a bench role. Um, and Origi was a guy who was absolutely tearing up the league and the Europa League uh, at the end of last season. Um he is on the bench. Uh, yeah. He's only coming on in a sub role. Um, I mean, there's no way. Like, Danny Ings is not anywhere near the level of of either Origi or Sturridge. Um, so he's the perfect player to play in the League Cup and, like, the early rounds of the FA Cup. Um, but he's he's not ever going to find his way into the team um, with two strikers like that ahead of him who also aren't getting in any games. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so. Danny's at least getting something off the pitch. We know that. But for, it, he really is, though. Like, the, old, the anger, any anger that I should tor- show towards him is not at him. It's at, it's at the fans because he's the right. exact type of player that that you want to have like a, a great he could probably go what he's burnt he could go to a number of clubs and be in the starting 11 yeah but he's staying and he's fight he's fighting for a spot and he's i don't even know if you count our front front three and then sturge then Origi, he's like number six on the totem pole so right. he's he's so far down that list but he's it, it, i mean similar to sako too like sako's out there banging it out with the under twenty threes as well. So these banging it out. <laughs> <laughs> so think about Danny Ings's wag a little too much, but, but that's that's the type of player that you want that big that big clubs have. Like he's almost like a James Milner was for City, where he's where he's not always factoring into the eleven, but he's ready to go at any time and he can fill in. Um, and he's got talent too. So. Right. I, I apologize to Danny Ings, but like I said, he's he's doing just fine. He's yeah. gonna be all right. So young guys who are making it into the team, uh, and and this one in particular, and we can talk about more people playing in the midfield. But one person who's impressed the last couple of weeks after uh, a little bit of a rocky return from injury uh, is Emre Chan, and. Uh, so Emre back in the goals again, back-to-back uh, games scored in the Premier League. Um, and uh, I am, for one, thrilled that he's that he's back in the team. But the interesting 
thing about him being back is he's he's not been used uh in the defensive midfielder role uh Jordan Henderson has continued to play in that deeper role almost the you know the deep lying playmaker um type role while Emre Chan has has trended a little bit forward uh even if his game is is slightly more defensive um he's uh he's been getting into goal scoring positions and and been scoring goals um so i think it's been it's been good for the team to see to see emre back and yeah. uh and contributing he's playing a lot like um Skrich was in the preseason and i think that's yeah. that's the role that Klopp's looking for genie for Chan, maybe even, you know, Grich to pop up in some other games. But that's the role I guess he's looking for. Like, and it's a very it's a very kind of subtle role that I honestly don't think we've had a lot before. And I don't yeah. know what, what the hipsters are going crazy because I don't know what number you <laughs> like <laughs> like somewhere between like it, I, I, it doesn't function like this, but if you would put it on, like, if you would map out the starting 11, it's almost mm-hmm. just like a, a straight arrow of you've got almost like Hendo in the defensive, Chan in the center, and, and Lalana in the attacking 10. But they're right. all, I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. And they've done, it's hard to, it's hard to manage it. And I, you know, we love the, the pass maps, like 11 Tegan 11 and all that. Yeah. Well, they're not going to pop up. They're not going to show their impact as much on that because I think it's more, maybe more on like the, um, what does Gags do with like the pressing map and all that? That might show a little yeah, bit more impact. Yeah, like them. the pressing really actions. Occupying the right space, both defensively to disrupt it. And I think that's when Watford chipped into goals when kind of, when Autumn came on and there was a little bit of disruption to our midfield that kind of opened it up. Um which could happen anytime that you have a sub, but that that role it, it it's different I think to what we've seen. Somebody that can go uh, almost like you know maybe Gerard a few years ago, not when he was attacking, not when he was the holding midfielder that he became, but just somebody that can go kind of like crashing into the box and and pick up goals. And we haven't really had that from our midfield. We thought maybe Hendo could, but now he seems to be the one that's that's going to kind of hold back and dictate play the way Chan was, I think, a lot last season. Um, yeah. But it's new and it's interesting because you really have to almost just, you can't look at stats, you can't look at pass maps, maybe even not pressing maps. We almost just have to watch the game and just watch that player to see the type of impact that they're have, they'll have. But Chan's done right. over the past couple games, done an amazing job at it. And I think Wijnaldum, um, he got his first goal, which was great. Yep. Um, but he yeah, I was very influence. happy. He's had a great influence in the games. It's not necessarily about scoring goals or picking up assists, um, but it's about just occupying that kind of midfield space. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's been it's been impressive, and it it was a little strange uh, that you know, Genie's uh, been been putting in a lot of good work uh, over the first part of the season, and and you know, just hasn't been rewarded with a goal yet or hadn't been uh now he's now he's popped up and got it um but emory chance back in the team for like three games and uh and now he's already got two um (laughs) so 
a little bit of luck on on Emery's part, just being in the right place at the right time, and and obviously, um, for his second, it was a absolutely fantastic cross um, from Lolana. Uh, put it on a plate. That was just disgustingly good. Yeah, it was. It it was it was a fantastic cross. Um, and so, <laughs> yo, Emery, huh? So you heard it here first, Bakadabo. <laughs> no, uh, I actually, you know, we'll take we'll take some time and and we'll talk about Adam Alana. Um <laughs> because he has been he's been really important uh, in the midfield, and uh, so I think I started it before I left. But we'll go ahead and you know make this make this fully <laughs> official. Um, my disdain for for Adam Lallana has subsided. Um and the reason is very simple. Um it has you know, it's not personal obviously. Uh it's not like I ever at times, hated the guy. At times I wasn't sure. I I thought there might have be some type of <laughs> blood feud with the so, clan. It reached it reached that point only because so many of the things that he did frustrated me so deeply. Um, but you just, so when you look back at the stuff that like pissed everybody off and I, cause I am not the only one who, who thought that Lolana was not good enough for the team. Um, we were both in agreement. We, you know, I yeah. just like to throw you under the bus because you kind of, I was like, definitely more aggressive about it. You were the one. Yeah. You were the more vocal. <laughs> um, but the things that pissed me off about about Lolana um were like the quality of his touches in and around the box uh the quality of his finishing the quality of his crosses or through balls like all that stuff was was subpar he was not he wasn't creating enough he wasn't scoring enough he wasn't um he wasn't really linking up all that well. He was Cruyff turning till we were all dizzy. Um, <laughs> and now, uh, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's playing this deeper role has like kind of calmed him down or cleared his head or whatever. But, um, you know, he's now playing as part of the midfield three. And for whatever reason, the quality of his touches in and around the box has been, you know, a lot better. His crossing has been, has been much improved. Um, and, you know, he had two assists in this last game to add to a growing tally. Um, yeah. His, uh, his touches on the ball are more meaningful um, in that he, he doesn't turn to turn. he, actually does it to you know create space or create opportunities and uh and then his finishing has largely been been good he he doesn't get into like good goal scoring positions a ton um yeah. but it seems like the chances he gets he he more or less tucks them away and so i mean all of the stuff that frustrated me so much about Adam Milano the past 2 years like he's getting better at those things um yeah 
and and we always knew that he was good at pressing. Like we, you know, no one ever disputed that. He like when when he was asked to press, he he did it well. Um, but it was always what he did with the ball once he had it uh, that was so frustrating all the time. And now, I mean, when he gets on the ball, you you kind of expect him to create something or or at least make a make a decent pass. And I I remember. I can't. Re- I guess it was against Crystal Palace. Um, he picked the ball up in midfield and played a, a pass out wide to Coutinho. Um, that was just on a yeah. It was on a line and right right to Coutinho's toe. Um, yeah. And it was like okay, things are a little different with old with old Adam now. And I. I don't know where I don't know where the change happened. I don't know if it's Klopp who we have to thank, or if he was just you know, um, if he was just feeling the pressure of the of the transfer and and kind of the some of the hate from yeah. people like me. And now he's not. Maybe he's playing <laughs> kind of with a little less pressure. Maybe it was how well he started playing for England. I I don't really know. Um, but I am I'm very welcoming of it, and it. It's funny because it it kind of ended up filling a need in that that was kind of the position that I thought Coutinho should play. Um, yeah. And Coutinho being out on the left now, uh, he has Coutinho's reined in his cut inside and shoot. Um, yeah. To the point where he's only taking, for the most part, like good shots um <laughs> good long distance shots that he that he converts yeah and that's what so like it's been uh it's been comforting because i guess lolana being back there just allows a little more freedom for everybody in front of him but he can still get involved uh in the attack so credit where credit's due uh lolana's been uh, fantastic, especially the last couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, it's much less frustrating to watch him now uh, yeah, than it was over the past turns, couple of seasons. Less Cruyff turns, more assists, yeah. and more goals, which is what we've always wanted. <laughs> That's all we've ever wanted. Um, oh yeah, and then and then Hendo continues to be just a monster um, in the He's deep like lying role. Top like top three in every midfield category yeah. you would want from him too. Like pressing actions, tackles, maybe interceptions too, I'm not sure, but like passes, he he may still be number one, I'm not sure, but he's been, right. he had a little bit of a slow start, but, um, but no, come back from in- injury, that's what, you know, that's what you so, typically expect from him too. So Hendo's just been, even in, I'll say this about Hendo. Yeah. Even during his post-match interviews, he doesn't sound as much like he's from the Newcastle area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's not to the point where he's got the kind of cool, calm Gerard head to him. Um, right. But, I mean, that's something that you want. You want a player that, that has confidence, too. So I think what yeah. remains to be seen for Hendo in our midfield um, They've, they've stood up to the test so far. Um, I thought United was going to be a good one. I think this kind of revamped Chelsea formation is going to be a good a good test to him, too. 
But even with Chelsea, for sure. more kind of wide players, so they're kind of sacrificing the middle. But some, just like a good, I want to say maybe even Spurs would would be a test. But they, you know, they handled that one well too. Uh, who like a Spurs? Good pressing, <laughs> good pressing, and it's insane to yeah. even say that. But you know, that's more of a credit to to the manager for Spurs than it is for. Or just the organization in general, which is a right. which is a laughing stock of the Premier League. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still waiting for. That. I don't know. If we I'm, go that far. I'm but... Still waiting for that challenge. Oh come on! Even what was it? Leicester fans. That yeah. Leicester fans know that their time is done. Thank God. Like they're not like clinging to uh, like yeah. Southampton or West Ham. I think they know oh, their God. time's up. So they're taking the piss out of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tottenham with their with the side the. You finished third in a two-horse race. Yeah. <laughs> they, they always, they're the Tim Sherwood of the Premier League. Which, uh, congratulations to, to Tim Sherwood. He was hired as the director uh, of football for Swindon Town today. What level, um, what level are they? I think, they're, I think they're in the, I think, League One. Okay, all right. I'll... Let me, uh... Let me double check. I'll give that to old Timmy. Championship though, and I'll get it with the uh, more than he could chew. Yeah, they are currently sitting twenty-first in League One. So all right. So they got a little bit of breathing room to fall back on whenever Tim <laughs> takes over the reins. <laughs> God, if they, yeah. I hope for his sake they don't get relegated. That would be embarrassing. Really, you're you're holding out hope for anything, Tim? Sher- I just like Tim Sherwood around, like David Moyes. I just want them right. <laughs> around in front of the cameras too. But uh, he's like like Ian Holloway. The, I, <laughs> we covered the eleven. What about um, some changes to the backroom staff? Yeah. So uh, so Liverpool uh, this past week promoted uh from within uh michael edwards uh who had formerly been acting as the technical director uh which was part of the transfer committee um he's been promoted from technical director to sporting director uh which will give him basically the ability to conduct the negotiations with agents and players uh, that Liverpool are trying to sign. Um, and he'll be replacing Ian Eyre in those duties as, as Eyre heads off to Germany um, in the summer. Um, so Edwards uh, has been at the club since 2011 in a variety of roles and was hired by former director of football, Damien Camoli. Ooh. That's a yeah. the past right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what, what, I guess, what do we need out of, out of Michael Edwards here? What is his task for this squad currently? So uh, in terms of leading... You know he'll more or less be along with Klopp, be the two the two key figures in that in that transfer process. Um, which I would like to say a lot less talk this year of uh, of the transfer committee. Uh, it's almost like 
you know, as long as it's working, no one cares. Uh, but it's all anyone could talk about uh, when Rogers was in charge. But um, the so with him and Klopp at the head, um, you know, Klopp is the guy who I think, you know, Klopp's job is just to say this is what I need, not necessarily yeah. identifying exact, you know, exactly yeah, which player. Um, so it's more or less um, Edward's responsibility to take Klopp's vision and and find the the right players to plug into it. Um, and so I'd say immediate needs. Uh, if he can get us some depth at fullback, I will be more than more than pleased. Although, uh, again, credit where credit's due, and we didn't talk about him, but. Um, in the Palace game, Alberto Moreno uh, played really well, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if right now. <laughs> I can really, <laughs> I don't know if I could, uh, if I can handle I like that. The but Elaine celebration dance where she's like, not the, not the, <laughs> not the, not the, not the wedding kicks, dance, not the kicks, <laughs> not the, just like the. Or kind of Jerry does the same thing, too, with the arms in the air, doing a little, I don't know, New Yorker shuffle, I'll call it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that was actually really good. <laughs> I just pictured it. Um, shit, what were we talking about? So, Moreno. <laughs> left back, left back. I think for Edward, we're in a good spot where we've got a, we've got a deep team. We do need to pull back. Um, I think a big question mark on how Sturge going to get into the team once Mane leaves for the AFCON, <laughs> that opens up the spot. But that's not Sturridge. Good point. That's not the, the only person you could kind of plug in where Mane's been is I think Lolana right now. Like I don't right. want. I think Firmino can shift out left. We can't yeah. put Sturridge out on the wing, even though we can put Sturridge out on the wing. You just can never put that in the starting eleven because Twitter goes crazy and Sturridge shuts down. But um, <laughs> I think we. This team shows that. What what Mane's given us is like a wing presence that we always had wingers, but I, apparently we never really had quality wingers. Like even Sterling when right. he was he was coming up is is a little bit different. Um, and Mane's been perfect. So I think either to support Coutinho on the left or maybe somebody that can do both sides to to bring somebody in for backup for whenever Mane um, departs for the Afcon too. Yeah. Um, and then just for for the existing players that we have too. Keep Coutinho as long as you can, um, yeah. and then for the, what Chan's up for a new, Chan's up for a new deal too. I um, think Chan and Lana are about to um, either open negotiations or conclude negotiations. One of yeah. the two, but they, I think they're in talks um, yeah. to extend both of those guys. So. That's a world. That's kind of the footballing world that we live in, where you could sign a contract and two months later your your stock elevates. So for Coutinho, it could be give <laughs> improve the existing deal that he just signed with yeah. and at the start of the year, didn't he sign a new one? Uh, I'd have to I'd have to look again. But we yeah, I mean, guy. almost like almost value protection. Um, yeah, where it's just of just we, we got to get that release. That. Yeah. <laughs> Get that release clause <laughs> in like the eighty million clause, right? in the in the eighty million region. 
we'll save this for the next one. But I was going to ask. I don't want you to answer. I was going to ask what would Coutinho go for. But we'll save that for another time because I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Um, So looking at um, this this lovely bar graph that you that you provided, um, courtesy of Eleven Tegan Eleven, which definitely definitely follow him on Twitter. But so Michael Edwards, uh, the way that he's you know being promoted now um is taking is going to take a squad that as of the first um 11 matches of the Premier League season uh Liverpool by expected goals scored and expected goals allowed uh currently favorites to win the Premier League title, uh, statistically speaking, thirty-eight uh, percent uh, over Man City's thirty-two percent, with Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs uh, rounding out the top five. Um, but as it stands, statistically, Liverpool favorites to win the title. <laughs> and who would have thought we'd be saying that uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the season? A lot, a lot of surprises. A lot of things that still haven't sunk in. The Cubs, Adam Lallana, the election, <laughs> and the, the early title challenge from Liverpool. Um, but if there's one thing that the election has taught us, it is do not trust early polls um, <laughs> or, or early bar graphs. Um, I think this is yeah. sign- what we what we're going to see from this Liverpool team. I think um, is there's got to be an uptick in shots, like opposition chances. That 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 just has to go. It's been so few and far between. As that goes up, the actual goals that they're scoring should actually drop. That doesn't make any sense, but but that they've right. definitely been buoyed by that ridiculous. Again, that this shows that they've been a solid defensive team. Not and right. we're not necessarily going off goal differential. Which I think prior, probably prior to um, the expected goal stats, was probably the best thing that you could look at. What who who's the best team? Just look at goal differential, which doesn't right. you know who which, scores which the most better versus worse, yeah. the amount they allow. Um, yeah, this is going even beyond that, like hyper goal differential. Um, right. Liverpool have been maybe somewhat <laughs> somewhat lucky defensively in that they're giving up so few shots. Or maybe mm-hmm. that's just the quality of this of this squad as a whole defensive unit. Um, but we've also been super unlucky with, right. I, I think, you know, some of its errors, some of its, like, deflections or, or, mm-hmm. or just other shots that have found their way in the back of our net. But, um, but no, I mean, it's better to be first than it is to be the Spurs with 1% chance of, yeah. <laughs> uh, of winning the league. But, you know, the Spurs could be, could be this year's Premier League Donald Trump. But you never know. <laughs> I uh, I can't think of a team. No, the, I mean, Spurs aren't Donald Trump, right? It would be Donald Trump is United. like Chelsea. It would be United or United. I would say I would say United. Yeah, American Maybe owners, because Chelsea. Chelsea or Chelsea's Putin. <laughs> Chelsea's Putin. <laughs> United, United is Trump. Okay, that yeah. makes, that, that that does actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So, 
yeah, Liverpool, obviously very still very early, but the bottom line is that as it as it is right now statistically, Liverpool um Liverpool's opponents have actually been scoring a statistically unsustainable amount of goals for the quality <laughs> and amount of shots that they are taking. Um and I think with with the defense obviously playing the way it has been and if Carius is, you know, kind of kind of back uh in the kind of form that we expected uh you know when he came in um then i expect that to start dropping the crazy thing is that uh with the quality and amount of shots that liverpool are taking at the other end um you would almost expect the expected goals uh offensively to increase <laughs> increase because they want eight a game yeah and uh i think their expected goals against watford were um up in the fours uh which is pretty ridiculous um like almost like i mean it's that's nuts um above two so is really good yeah yeah (laughs) so we doubled a really good offensive outing that's how good this team is yeah and so it will definitely be exciting to watch um and uh and will be this is going to be a a pretty crazy season uh as 2016 continues to be sports wise a a crazy year um you know a liverpool title challenge uh from 16 into 17 that just adds to the craziness so it's been unbelievable. It's, it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride, too. And that's... And I... Maybe people will turn on me for this. But I was watching... It was either Game 6, Game 7. And I was making, like, just deals with the devil. That I said, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for the Cubs <laughs> to win. I didn't involve Liverpool in any way, shape, or form. I didn't throw, right. throw them under the bus. Um, but I was like... I was like, I don't care if Trump wins. I don't care if I go fully bald tomorrow. Just let <laughs> let the Cubs pull this out. Um, yeah. it, it's been it's been unbelievable. I I have hated the the little kind of social media. Oh, twenty sixteen, you know, fuck twenty sixteen and all that crap. Right. But now I'm kind of on board with it. It's after the Cubs won. It's just the world doesn't make sense anymore. Everything is right in the world, and that doesn't make sense with the world that we currently live in. Um, and then it took a dark turn the other night, but yeah, we got into the Cubs. I don't think we should delve into politics at all. That's not... Well, so just to speak on it, we, you know, we don't have to go too far into it because we've, we've, uh, we've been very complimentary of of Liverpool and the way they're playing and rightfully so. Um, and, and talking about 2016 as a year where, you know, all is right with the world in, in a sporting sense, um, so far, uh, so far, so good, but that's only to keep us from, you know, that's to maintain the escapism that, that sports allows (laughs) us, um, from the reality that faces us, which is a grim, you know, dark dystopia, um 
where a failed reality star is now our president. Um, and, uh, and so with the U.S.-Mexico playing tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, uh, in World Cup qualifying, we're finally down to the hexagonal. Um, it's a game that normally has a lot of emotion tied to it just because of the geography and, you know, kind of a historic um, rivalry. But this particular game carries a lot more politics with it than normal, I think, um, with with this whole uh, series of events taking place. So as it stands right now, the game is not sold out. Um, and I've actually been talking uh, to a couple of people um Americans of Mexican descent so American citizens uh whose families are are from Mexico and they're like I'm rooting for Mexico tomorrow I can't I can't root for the United States right now um who can who can and that's and that's what I'm having trouble you know I'm I'm like part of the government uh you know, and I, I can't. Um, I think you legally have to say that you're rooting for the USA. I think that's well, that's so, your new job title. Is you so I'm rooting. <laughs> job requirement one: always root for USA. See, what's funny is I am always rooting for the U.S. men's national team. While I watch the games, I get so angry um, that all of my comments about the game sound like I'm rooting against them. Um, yeah. Because Which I watch... We, we're pros at that. The Bears. The Cubs. Yes. Like, a lot of hatred yes. towards our teams, and rightfully so. He's a bum. He's a bum, my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got, like, um, the... So I often sound like I'm hating on the national team and most of the time I am um, because we have a a group of absurdly overrated players. Um, But I can root for our, our latest national hero, uh, Christian Pulisic, um, who at 18 years old will most likely get a start tomorrow because he's far and away our best player. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm at once, um, I've never been, I've never felt this little, uh, excitement in the buildup to a USA Mexico game. I'll say that. Normally, there's a lot of energy attached to it, and I just yeah i i can't I can't really get up for this one. I'd say there's a it wasn't a turning point, but just because you know you're it, it's it's the rivalry, and it's you we've always been U.S. men's national team fan. That's been kind of I mean that's always kind of been the one before soccer's really expanded like it has here. That mm-hmm. was the one kind of gravitating moment that we all had, um, and it was a right. very kind of patriotic experience. And it's always been that kind of uh, 
I don't know. It's either quintessential, or it's cliche uh, American <laughs> that you know. If we're we when we went to Brazil for the World Cup, we're out there chanting, you know, USA, USA, and you're picturing the USA that's in that like Dodge Charger commercial, where George Washington and Thomas Jefferson <laughs> come barreling into the Revolutionary War um, <laughs> in their Dodge Chargers. <laughs> and that, that's kind of like the stereotypical America that 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 we always kind of embraced. You know, when you go overseas, um, you you have to kind of own it. You know, you have to. Right. And as much as 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 well traveled as you might be, um, you should never be ashamed of it. But right now, it's a completely different story. Where, and I I caught like a clip of the like kind of the Trump victory rally or whatever. Um, yeah, and that was not filled with the usual. What do you want to call them? The deplorables or the the, the typical <laughs> Trump supporters that yeah. picture. It was filled with more kind of well-to-do, and a lot yeah. of just fucking just douchebags in it as well. Frat boys. And they're sitting there doing the USA USA chant, and I <laughs> I realized at that moment, it was it was dead for me. It's been dead for a lot of people before. Yeah. But I always kind of like to, you know, you kind of embrace that. Like it's, you know, that's that's kind of we're all kind of we're we're a fratty kind of country, and right. um, but now it's that almost sucks. like the ones that are doing all the hazing, the ones right. that are, are, you know, you always knew they were racist. Now it's kind of out in the open. Those frat right. guys are now running the country, um, and it Shit. it does it puts a sour mood. I mean, we're in we're in a position where. You know, we can kind of joke about it. Yeah, I think Jose posted something on Snapchat of him in a disguise, and he's like, you know, I can't let, can't let Trump find me. Um, <laughs> That's fucked it's, up. It's, it's, it's a real fear, and as much as he's, I mean, there are people around the country now that are that are that are terrified, and it's right. it goes beyond typical elections where, where you have like two sides that just maybe don't like the other opponent there's a there's a, a real fear out of americans yeah. right now and that makes it really difficult to <laughs> got open let alone do a usa chant but back back a country you know back the, and that's what we're doing we're backing our country whenever right. we're going up against mexico and the way things stand right now um Fuck it, I'll, I'll cheer for Mexico <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's, that's, on the one hand, you when you think about the country now, we're thinking about everything negative. And it's not just the election. It's been, things have been out in the open for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, I got to live right on the border, and it's, <laughs> and it's nothing but positive experience. Right. right. If I go down to Palomas or Columbus tomorrow, uh, it's, it's it's great, you know. We we go yeah. we watch the Liverpool games. Then you know I'm the one sticking out as a sore thumb, as a as a pale white guy. And, and fucking Brian, right. I got to give a shout out to Brian because he's an <laughs> asshole and he slept <laughs> and he slept through the the last game. But he showed up and he's like, "You voting for Trump?" I'm like, "No, screw you, no." Just not not all white people are voting for Trump. Um, right. But it is it, it it casts. I think it does cast a shadow on the whole thing, and it just kind of it's. It's not a great place to be, and so the fact that it right. this match is happening on Friday so soon after that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see not so much the game, but maybe even just like kind of the fan interaction, the crowd interaction as well. Right.
that's uh yeah i, I sent out on twitter earlier i because uh, i'll be this weekend i'll be in uh colorado springs um a friend of mine's getting married out there and uh i asked uh i'm gonna be in colorado springs this weekend where does ao meet up so i can avoid that place um <laughs> and not be anywhere near it on friday night uh i i just i can't imagine um that's what that's what concerns me i think about this game is because you have an organization that while i'm sure they have uh sent out plenty of emails and talked about you know yeah behavior at this game being an important you know we're kind of under the microscope a little bit or at least i would hope that they would realize that um and maybe it's time for some kind of like like if they're gonna do a tifo or something probably probably stray away from you know like stereotypical representations of mexico or like you Which know, we've already been embarrassed with by in the past by right, and that's and and that's where I'm kind of worried. Is I'm I'm worried they're gonna drop a freaking banner that you know has like a luchador on it, and like Trump giving them the Stone Cold Stunner or something. God. You know, and that's what that like we have the ability to just like completely embarrass ourselves um, because we've done it before and so that that's what concerns me is like someone trying to take the opportunity to like to like take advantage of of the timing um either to make a joke or to or to be you know overly mean i guess for lack of a better term (laughs) Um, so I, it, it, it does, it's just a, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, there's no, like you said, it's not, this isn't like a game, you know, it's, it's, these are people's lives. Um, yeah. So it's, even if they're joking about it, then like we said, you're (laughs) enjoy the position that you're in to be able to joke about it. Cause it, it, it is, right. It's it's a dark period for us right now moving forward, which has cast a shadow over the rest of the pod, which is, you know, thank God we're in the position where I can say, and I even was a little bit, uh, now we're just going full negative, I was even feeling down <laughs> uh, prior to the Cubs. Like, part of me, not that I would ever be like, uh, you know, I don't want this. Because mm-hmm. it, it wasn't up to me, you know, millions of others do. But right. I, I got on to read about the Cubs, and I read this post about um, the World Series when the Cubs were hosting those three games was the most violent weekend on record in Chicago. Right. And we get, you know, being a former teacher in one of the more violent areas there, mm-hmm. it, you know, we're hearing more and more. We always had to deal with gangs. We had to deal with all this. Um and it just kind of turned into now we're having to deal with my brother texting me, oh, you know, a former student was shot, former student was killed. Um, and it was, it's embarrassing Shit. for this, which is an amazing city with, with amazing people. Right. Um, but, you know, just the system has, has screwed over so many. And that's, 
that's yeah. kind of the way I think a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of others are feeling now with yeah. with the election results as well. But uh, but no, I mean if we can if we can focus on the positive, we've got the Cubs and we've got yep. a uh, we've got the fully mission capable electric squad <laughs> at our disposal. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like the reason we do this and the reason that we, you know, watch sports, uh, whether it's the Cubs or Liverpool or, or anything else, um, or the, you know, the U S men's national team at the end of the day, like, like we said, you know, sports is sports is an escape. It's not, you know, this isn't real life. This isn't, um, it's not, you know, a life or death type situation. Um, but, uh, you know, the reason we do all this is because sports gives us a, a good kind of release and a good, uh, a good like, venue for um, some, of the, some of the energy. Uh, and, uh, and I guess in this case, you know, kind of redirected um, yeah. energy where you get, you get a, little, a little tired um, and a little... Uh, you know, in this case, just a little down um, on on what's going on in the world. So it's it's nice to to have you know uh, a a winning baseball team and and at this moment a a uh, a resurgent Liverpool FC top of the English Premier League in That'll, in November. Doesn't matter if it's day one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 38 would be, preferably. I don't know yeah. if we can handle that. I don't know if we can handle a a Cubs <laughs> World Series and a Liverpool Premier League title yeah. all all within one one full year. Um, yeah. One, you know, for for the down part about it is, you know, our our brethren across the pond in England had to go through the same thing with or a similar thing with their Brexit, right? Where there's this, right. it, not the majority of the population, but a very vocal, passionate, um, openly racist segment of the population <laughs> that is completely using that to drive um, and, and motivate politics as well. But I guess on a lighter note, uh, one of my favorite posts that I've seen so far was um, a Twitter post, and it was just saying, like, you know, England and America are in a room talking to one another. Um, and England kind of says to America, I bet you can't fuck. <laughs> I bet you, you can't fuck over our country any worse than we did. And then America says, here, hold my beer. And yeah. <laughs> we had election night 2016. But, uh, yeah. but no, I mean, we've got such is life. We've got, yeah. we've got the negative. But, you know, when it comes to what we do on this podcast, we've got uh, – <laughs> A lot to be thankful for if we if we stick with the upcoming theme of pumpkins and Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, well, uh, and and I think so. We're we're headed. Obviously, it's the international break, so it's it's a bit of a downtime, you know, for people who watch club football in in general. Um, but uh, with uh, Liverpool's next game is against Southampton. Um, mm. Southampton away too, and I think I think this will be a it'll be a challenging be a challenging fixture. But Southampton hasn't been hasn't been particularly 
Um, they haven't been lighting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, no, you never know what you're going to get with that side. Yeah. And I'm just glancing and, at the table now. They've got a zero goal differential. <laughs> right. So they are exactly. Four draws, four <laughs> losses. You, ne- you never know. Southampton away could, could be a challenge. Um, yeah. But like we said, I mean, if maybe this team is set up to win 4-1 all day long. Right. <laughs> and that's. I'd like well, to I think every now and then, but that 13-14 yeah. squad was littered with clean sheets early in the season and. Didn't work right. out for well for him either, so maybe we'll tighten down the hatches later on. Yeah, and I think uh, with with this team, um, for whatever reason, we've kind of put the pressure back on, you know, whoever we're playing will have to stop us um, rather yeah. than we'll have to break down whoever we're playing. Um, where, you know, Watford came in uh, to that game having not allowed any goals in the last two and having allowed only two goals in the last four and they ship six. So, um, in one game. So, uh, for whatever reason now, when a team comes to play Liverpool, uh, we're just setting out the marker of, all right, you're going to have to keep us from scoring. Um, rather than us trying to find a way to break teams down, so, yeah. so I and like it. Defense too. It's on. It it's on the other team to stop us. It's not. Right. And and I think a lot of it we've talked about it being kind of very mental, like where we're almost overplaying too. And right. I think the once you start winning, that kind of frees that frees everybody up to start playing a, a little bit more freely and more naturally as well. So, I think yeah. that's why Sturridge kind of seems to be the odd man out too. Is that it's all coming so naturally for everybody else that you know, and he's desperate to break back into the squad. Um, so we'll we'll see how that develops. Yeah, we will see uh, what what happens as we as we kind of approach the holiday period, which, as we know, in England is going to get real busy uh, real quick, and we'll see how how Liverpool's players kind of handle the the congestion uh, as we enter that, that holiday period. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good roundup. I think I will, what we do. I will here. say this about, and I'm sure we'll do, we'll, we'll have another pod on deck. Uh, we can do maybe a holiday pod or something, yeah. but, uh, I was really disappointed that, so I'll be in London for, Christmas for Boxing Day. What? Liverpool's playing at home, and then I think away to Stoke on New Year's. Since we got to catch a train, man. Since we're going for a wedding, we can't. Uh, We're not going to be able to make it. Is any? I mean, Dan Staley, on the other hand, is is trying to swoop in and steal my (laughs) England Thunder by planning a solo trip. I was like, oh, I was like, if you go to Liverpool, you going to come down and see me? He's like, nah, not, then I got to head to the other game. I was like, you're, you're telling me you're going to fly 3,000 miles <laughs> and you're going to be in the same country as me within, you know. And a small country driving, at that. <laughs> and you're not going to come visit? He's like, oh, no, man, I got priorities. So that's, that's Dan Staley <laughs> in a nutshell. Hashtag priorities. Is, uh, is anyone playing in London on Boxing Day that you could just just to get the just to get a game under your belt? There's like 30 plus. I mean, that is that is a good point too. But we're we're going for a wedding as well, so I don't. I think we've got a 
Is it on Boxing Day? I think it's on Christmas or Christmas Eve. I can't remember. Really? It's interesting. intimate affair with my girlfriend's sister's fiance's sister. And her oh, fiance. yeah. Obviously, yeah. Become. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow we got we got an invite. But, uh, nice. Yeah, can't, turn down, can't turn down that trip. No, no, not I'll at all. Look into those London matches. Yeah. I, I, I think that could be cool. Um, if you go, I mean, obviously, you know, not Chelsea, not Arsenal. Maybe like I mean, would, Palace. You could, go see, you could go see those matches, couldn't you? Well, I just mean like strictly from a. From like a atmosphere perspective, like oh, yeah, <laughs> like you don't want to go to well, Stamford Bridge, the, you don't want to go to the Emirates. All, all the well, would, White Hart Lane uh, would be better West, than those. West Ham lost their. Uh, are Tottenham still playing at White Hart Lane? Or are they at the new? Stadium? They are. They're playing Champions League games at Wembley. Um, oh okay. Because White Hart Lane's like under construction or something. Yeah. Um, what about Millwall? <laughs> <laughs> I go fight. Um, no, it's uh, following Elijah Wood's footsteps, and uh, you may never see me again. And I can't do, <laughs> I can't do this podcast anymore if I do that, because then I'd be in the horrible accent that they have. The journos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I apologize for that. No, I think, uh, yeah, you can't go to West Ham either because their stadium is garbage now. It's an Olympic stadium now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You like can't even you can't even like stand up, um, in that stadium. It's like they have ridiculous rules. Um, and I mean, what a what a garbage club, by the way. Like (laughs) horrible club. We we haven't talked about this like full on, but like. I would pay good money to, like, I think, I don't know if the Trump presidency buys us a Liverpool title, karmic, you know, karma-wise, like, yeah. like well, the I give and take, the but it at least gets us a West Ham relegation, like, oh yeah, I think. It, like, we can at least get that out of it. Um, and I think there, it's one, it's just one Twitter account. That's driving it. It's that West Ham Central <laughs> Twitter account who dedicates his days or her days and nights to ridiculing one Phil Coutinho. Yeah, who is just Coutinho. The, the, the toast of the town right now. <laughs> uh, it's, so he, he is turned. Because every, like every, maybe it was because of Green Street Hooligans or whatever, but everybody was in the U.S. is kind of like, oh, West Ham, you know, good, good for them. That's a great club, a lot of history, good stadium. Now they've right. got, got no stadium. Yeah. And they've got a Twitter. They've got a Twitter account driving everybody <laughs> against them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, good. Uh, don't let the door hit you. Yeah. Oh man. They're only. Turtle. They're only one. Yeah. <laughs> they're only one point clear of the relegation places. <laughs> they're seventeenth. Um, so only Hull, Swansea, and. Uh, Sunderland beneath them currently. Uh, I hope Moyes can hold on. Yeah, I don't know. He's got to stop playing Jack Rodwell. Have you seen the Have you seen so the bad. stat? 
Have you seen this stat about Jack, Jack Rodwell? Is no. Sunderland have not won a game in which he's played. <laughs> but they have won they they've won like uh I think it's something like 30% of the games that he doesn't play. So like <laughs> all of their wins come when when he doesn't start, I think is the is the stat. Um so, so Jack Rodwell needs to, to go. Just move him to left wing. Or no, then they'll turn it around. Well, also, yeah. for poor Moyes, their one win out of 11 came right. when he got kicked off. Kicked off yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Moisey. Moisey. Oh, we didn't even talk about Bob Bradley. Probably a little late. Oh, but. I mean, we're going to go long into the night if we start bringing up Bob, Bob yeah. Bradley's soaring Swansea team. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, he's in trouble. He yeah, dove. In he, he dove in. He got the. He got the shot. He saw his name up in lights, and he didn't realize the mess that he was getting into. Um, I don't know that. A, all I'll say is that I don't know that another manager uh, would save Swansea this year because they're just. They're not the team of the last few seasons uh, no, that yeah. kind of established itself in the Premier League. They're they're a shadow of their former selves. But if there's a guy out there who could save them this season, it's not him. It's, <laughs> I was like stunned. Like, what's he about to say about? But oh nope. But Swansea. I mean, they've got some. They've got some talent. But who's Swansea? Was it was it Ashley Williams that went to Everton? Yeah, maybe he was a bigger player for them than we thought because they didn't have a lot of. They made a couple good additions, but then I think they really just lost him. Um, yeah. But whenever you don't have a lot of good players, you don't lose a lot of you don't lose a lot right. of players to others. Right. But no, they've got they've got Sigurdsson and some others. Fur's been doing well, well but um, no, uh, Bob. We can talk about Bob once he gets fired. Which might be, <laughs> Do the post mortem, which might be the next pod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, or he'll, or they were just preparing for the level that they'll be at, which is championship. So <laughs> they were just yeah, hiring the guy for, for with next season in mind. They're like, we need a fall guy for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. We'll we'll dedicate some time to Bob because I I had a whole argument last year on Twitter with uh, I think Bob Bradley's brother about Bob's qualifications. Um, you were arguing with Bob Bradley's brother on Twitter. I, I think so, or like <laughs> I don't know. His name was Jeff Bradley. Um, I mean, what are the odds? Wait, wait, wait. Was was it spelled with a J or a G? J. I was really hoping it would be a, like a jaw. <laughs> I could see him having a brother named Jaw. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we can we can dive into more Bob Bradley in the uh, in the aftermath, <laughs> <laughs> sorting through the rubble um, of his tenure. But um, will you? Uh, you have a movie to get to. I got Doctor Strange because my girlfriend refused 
to see it with me. So shout out to Jose, <laughs> who I believe yep. has already seen it in 3D and 2D. Wow. Um, but I can't ever talk. I don't want him to. He he, he doesn't give spoilers, but I just kind of mention him briefly so he wouldn't tell me anything about it too. But no, when you're right. in New Mexico, what you do? You see Doctor you Strange, a fine pilsner, a Miller Lite beer, <laughs> and you go see Doctor Strange by yourself at a movie theater slash bowling alley slash arcade slash margarita bar. That's fantastic. And the best part is they serve truly horrific chicken strips. There's two things I love in this world. One is a really good chicken strip or chicken tender. And the second is a mediocre slash poor chicken strip or chicken tender. <laughs> oh, man. So tender time is not, not on the cards. Or is it? Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> it better happen unless they ran out of the deep fried chicken tender. <laughs> Oh man. Well, um with uh with all that being said, uh if you guys enjoyed what you heard, um you can check us out uh at tworedgringos.com um, cuz we're legit like that. Um you can also check out our Twitter at @tworedgringos and then you can check out um at El Paso Reds, uh which is where Patrick does most of his football talk uh and then you can uh, follow our personal accounts at Baki Balboa or at Mr. Staley um, if you want, you know, the intimate stuff. Um, You're so and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, any other plugs? I don't know. We'll be. Uh, I mean, we, we'll we be back. Shout out to Carbach for for trying yeah. to get them back on. Um, yeah, Car- Carbach needs. I get a shout out. Shout out to Brian earlier. I said screw him. But obviously nothing but love. Yeah. And we got another, speaking of our El Paso brethren, mm-hmm. uh, we got another guy that has decided he's come out of the woodworks. Liverpool oh, yeah. Showed up, stepped in. You know, Brian, Brian felt ill from what I assume was a very successful, what was it, Saturday night? What? Um, and then, and then no, we got a new guy though too. So uh, we're we're growing in numbers, and uh, no, good good people, good people. Shout out to the El Paso crew. Yeah, they uh, yeah, good crew, and uh, yeah, it's what Adrian or Adrian Ordonez who's uh, yep. who's joined up. So yeah, it's uh, thanks for growing. Good good crew out there. I, I'm sad that I uh, that I've you know. Had to had to defect over here to the Austin group. Um, I'm sure you're miserable with a uh, you know designated Liverpool supporters club and regular regular <laughs> bar to go to as we're huddled. We've literally been to IHOP. We huddled around a map. It has computer. We have toyed with the idea of going to a strip club. So, yes. That's uh, and you know it's working because sixteen seventeen has been a hell of a hell of a season so far. Hell of a so season. We'll keep it going. Yeah. No, and uh, with with all that said, um, this has been episode five of season three, um, and uh, hopefully we'll be back a little bit sooner than uh, there won't be quite so long of a of a break in between episodes. So hopefully we'll. We'll be back, uh, you know, next week or, or uh, 
Maybe we can get one in before Thanksgiving. Um, you know, it's the holiday season, so as the Premier League schedule gets compacted, you know, we're going to have to have the pods keep up right. them. So we'll have to have our own our own fixture congestion um, <laughs> as we go into the holiday period. Christmas, Boxing Day. Yeah. So um, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so this has been the Two Red Gringos. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, and for Patrick Staley, I'm Phil Baki. Adios. Adios. <laughs>